0: Got you six. We got your back. Got you six. We got, got you. your back. I got you six. Sixers, what an absolute treat we have today. Dan Horgan is with us. Special projects, manager, marketing extraordinaire over a Black Rifle Coffee. <laughs> I know he doesn't do a lot of podcasts, so I'm like, I'm literally, and I'm going to show him, I'm pinching myself uh, because I'm stoked he's here. Dan, welcome to the Gotcha Six podcast.
1: Tony, yeah. No, thanks for having me. And you are definitely pushing me and making me blush.
0: We call it like we see it here at the Got Your Six podcast. Uh, as we were talking beforehand, you told me a story that you haven't shared before. It's how you got into Black Rifle. If you wouldn't mind just kind of telling us the backstory of that.
1: Yeah, it's a military transition story. So I retired from the Oklahoma Air Guard, uh, November of 16, was working some overseas contracts came back anyway, so I'm uh, basically an analyst of like a almost like a sergeant major for an aviation company in Oklahoma City. My wife is guard, but was getting full time orders down to San Antonio, and I immediately was like, "Yeah, let's do it." I mean, I'm going to leave this really good job, but the things that got in my head as um, again as you know a veteran was I was like, "Yeti will pick me up, black rifles in San Antonio, and then even grunt style. It didn't pan out like right away, right? I mean, the cards just didn't fold or go as the way I planned, but it was like two months. And so I was always on Indeed. So I'm "I'm on Indeed. And next thing I know, I see a job description that says executive assistant slash project manager for the CEO and co-CEO of Black Rifle. And I'm like, boom, me, done. And I apply and I didn't hear anything for like a few days, right? And everybody knows how that goes because you don't know how long it's going to take. Well, I end up, right? Because huge LinkedIn fan. So I ended up direct messaging the, our former chief operating officer Scott Harvey. I DM Scott and I said because the job description indeed literally read they wanted a transitioning I believe it said transitioning O3 who used to be a general's aide. And right with my ego a little bit, I said how about a combat E7 who's worked for a CEO of an aviation company. I don't know. It uh, timing and luck played into that. Scott bit off on that direct message had an interview a few days later and then started a week after that.
0: As we talked, right, that's not the way to do it all the time. But when you show others the value you can provide, where it's not a selfish thing, it's just like, I understand what you're looking for. Here's how it looks in practice and where I can deliver. I think really is something, you know, we can all kind of learn from. Sure. To take what you learned from the military and what you constantly implement now at Black Rifle. If you had to pick one thing, what do you think that is?
1: You know, one of the things I see really, and I've I've actually thought about it is it's even like you said, like I I was early uh, logging into the podcast, reliability, really, that is a skill set. You know, if you're successful in your military career, you're reliable. And if people know they can rely on you, you are an asset, right? And what do you do with an asset? You mostly mainly keep that asset. So showing that reliability day in and day out is, is a huge thing that I, cause that's what it did for me, you know, 20 some years, right. In the, the active duty air force to the air force Reserve to so the air national guard show times in PT at zero five in the morning. But maybe the night before, you know, we didn't get done till midnight, you know, partying or something crazy. Reliability is still showing up at 5. AM.
0: So was that something that you gained when you joined the air force or did that reliability like was instilled in you throughout your life before you joined the service?
1: Yeah, I might be one of those weird cases. So I'm an only child. My mother raised me. I went to a high school in Towson, Maryland, and it was a private all-boys high school, like sport coat and tie. I think that really groomed me for that responsibility. You know, I did college for a little bit, but then that's when I ended up joining the Air Force. So, I mean, it's, I don't think it's something you're born with if, if people think about some of those skill sets. But I think if you have the right environment, the right mentors, you know, and mentors, whether, you know, parents, teachers, friends, right, who you associate yourself with, That reliability, something like that, can be can be taught and learned.
0: How have you been able to create that environment for others that might not have had the same kind of upbringing of reliability within the organization that you you know you have at Black Rifle?
1: Yeah, I'm not always successful. I mean, I'm not the the best leader, you know, for sure, right? I think you always can learn. Comma, I would love though to think that, uh, especially as I'm older now and I've learned it, right? Is patience, and so part of that is letting someone. Like giving them a task, right? Mentoring them for it, let them accomplish that task, uh, and then hopefully they enjoy it. And that reliability factor can play into it. But no, there's some people that sometimes we, you know, I do a lot of events, um, and you and you might have an event, and the event goes well, but maybe the performance didn't go well, and they didn't, you know, exude that reliability that I thought maybe they had, right? And at that point, then it's a, a conversation. You know, again, here are my expectations. So that that's the other part of it too, right? You can be reliable if you know the expectations. So if I give someone my expectations, you know, hopefully they're reliable enough to do them. If they they don't accomplish them, then it's a difficult conversation.
0: And that feedback is so critical, both upfront, right? Like you said, establishing the expectation and then kind of coming back like, hey, this went well or bad or somewhere in the middle, and here's how we go, and then you you try it again, right? It's like, almost like it's an iterative process, right? Where you're constantly trying and seeing and pushing kind of people uh, to the edge of their comfort zone to grow.
1: Well, and they have to know that what those expectations are, so they can hit those. And, and you can't discipline or you know give someone that feedback if you don't tell them what that initial you know expectation was. Uh, so Tom Dabins, our co CEO, and Tom has a favorite saying that I, I've learned from him, and I'm not sure if he learned it from somewhere down the road in his his career. I can't expect what I don't inspect, right? And so it so comes from the leader aspect. That's one of my favorite ones. And so you know, a lot of these events, like sometimes people are like oh my God, you're going doing some really cool stuff. And I do, I get to go to those, but it's because I'm inspecting, but I'm also making sure that I am giving those expectations.
0: So as you constantly like learn and grow as a leader, where are you challenging yourself now?
1: Yeah, some of the stuff that's challenging for me is is almost just still finding out what you want to do uh, with your life. Even at, So I'm 50. And then the, some of the things that I've done. So the challenge is actually to determine what I still want to be when I grow up. Right. Being a jack of all trades, you know, you see a lot of stuff. Jack of all trades is great, but like, you know, you got to specialize in it. Um, you know, recently I've I've had, I've had people ask me like, well, what do you want to do? And, you know, and I would tell you, unfortunately, I know a realm, a theme of what I want to do, but I almost can't narrow it down. And so that's a challenge for me.
0: Yeah. And it shows, as you talked about, right? Like, what do you want to do? It's like, you're setting goals and like working towards those goals, but you're also like defining success where it means the most to you, right? And your family plans change over time, right? Like we being dual military, we're constantly planning five years out, but that changes like every three to six months.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: To be so intentional, to continue to define what success looks like for you and those closest to you is very powerful because you don't allow yourself to kind of get sucked into a specific path, right? Like you, like you said, you have a framework, but that that's better than just saying like, I want to do either everything or I have to do this thing in order to find happiness.
1: Yeah, it, it is. Well, and that's you know, the thing though, it's different than the military. So on the military side, right, you're not a profit, you're not profit-driven. You're either going to be very job-specific driven, you know, career-driven, right, rank and things like that. You know, a company like Black Rifle, you know, we're a profit company. So I understand, even though I didn't grow up in that world in a sense, is that, you know, it's profit-driven. So where am I going to provide value that's going to add revenue to the company and not on the other side of just, you know, spend the company's money. So th- things like marketing, you know, marketing, you get a couple million dollar marketing budget, you know, you better double or triple it, right? Um, these events that I get to do, sometimes, you know, the, the buzzwords ROI, right? The return on investment, you, you might not see it, but, you know, there's a lot of different avenues to be able to determine that data, you know, brand awareness from the social media, you know, are you doing impressions? For us, are we doing coffee club subscriptions? Yeah, so you constantly have to evaluate that. But that's one of the things that really for me that I harp on is, again, you go back to that reliability is, how am I also providing value that's gonna add revenue into the company?
0: Understanding that you have to be profit-driven, but really you're you're foundationally built on a purpose-driven mission is really kind of what has helped you succeed so much, not only personally, but professionally. Since getting out,
1: I think it has. And even when I, so Black Rifle wasn't my first, I did contracting, government contracting. I call that the cheating, right? So I used my JTAC skills and did a bunch of ISR work, you know, over in Afghanistan, but that's still, I mean, it was a, you know, it's a civilian company, you know, but you're, you're doing your same job you're doing. But then when I came back from Afghanistan contracting there, there was an aviation company in Oklahoma and I was doing the same ISR stuff, but then it was kind of my background led me into working for the CEO. And that's where, like, I have, you know, I got to attend a board meeting. I you know got to, they sent me over to London to go talk to you know potential uh, buyers that bought the company. And so you get to see that. And so when I came in with Black Rifle, it's kind of the same thing. Um, you know, I worked directly for Evan, like so, learning revenue and, and brand and customer service, right? The customer experience and how that lifetime value. There's all these you know buzzwords and, and things in the marketing. Your lifetime value adds up. Because sometimes maybe it isn't the profit, right? Sometimes it is just the customer experience, right? And what you do, um, surprise and delight, right? Surprise and delighting customers is
0: key. That can not only be applied in the business sense, but also like personally, right? Like it's under-promise and over-deliver when you're talking to
1: somebody. It's another favorite phrase. Yep. Well, the reverse is horrible. Over-promising and under-delivering, right, is the
0: worst. Because it goes back to where we started this conversation is reliability.
1: Evan created, we call it the three Ps professional, polite, and positivity, and then being positive. And like that's a reliability factor. If you're reliable to maintain those three core, you know, the three Ps, right, you're showing your value even from there. You miss one of those or or trash one of those. Yeah, now you're becoming a liability.
0: Absolutely. And keeping that so front of mind, it influences every decision made, every action taken, because that's what the culture organization is built on.
1: Right. And now it's not easy, right? I mean, you can go down a rabbit hole of emotional intelligence. I mean, again, even, you know, at age 50, I'm a lot different than I was at 35. You know, I, I can like look back at old decisions and be like, I wish I would have been emotionally intelligent as I am now, you know? Uh, but even that, you know, again, I know the other day I, I lost, I kind of lost mine. I got a little emotional on something. And, but you're human, but I do feel I'm one of those, I guess, ageism. I think as you get older, hopefully your emotional intelligence gets, gets better. And I definitely feel like mine has. So,
0: you know, like you said, you've understand that you're continually growing and emotional intelligence is, is something that you have to experience and gain and fail a little bit, whether it's a failure in emotional intelligence or just from somewhere else, what failure has ultimately made you the most successful?
1: Oh, um, without getting into any details, there was, uh, no, I was I, a lot of, it's of my background can be, is kind of all over the place, but it was right towards the end of my career, actually. Something happened at my, my my TACP unit in Oklahoma. I really wasn't happy with it. And I made a – I wouldn't say poor, because, but it was a good decision as, as I look back on it. But if I would have been emotionally intelligent, I know how I would have handled that situation different, but not caused me to make an emotional decision. But it was still good because I – like you end up – anything, if you turn it around – so you can see, all right, hey, I just made this emotional decision, and I can't take it back. But now, how do I turn that to the positive? And it's what ended up leading me to be the interim. Uh, I was the interim group first sergeant uh, for the Tulsa Air National Guard, the the fighter wing up there, which was great. You know, and that's when I actually determined I was going to retire. They were trying to get me the first sergeant school. I was sitting in that spot, and I ended up retiring. But again, I, that is one of the incidents uh, that I know happened that I look back and I. I re I can replay it and I know exactly how it went down and, you know, you just never know how things turn out. But again, being on the positivity side of the positive, you know, it it definitely did. I mean, it it gave me a chance to, to, again, I mean, I I was the the interim group for a sergeant for the, for the fighter wing, which was great.
0: Which is a massive deal because uh, let's just give people context of how big that organization is.
1: Yeah. I don't know the bodies, but it's an F-16. So it's a fighter wing and the group, Uh, is below the wing so wing would be your top echelon and group right and then squadron yeah so it's the middle um and it's a board right you had i had to go in front of a board and, and compete against a lot of other e7s you know in the air force that you know had a good background and so yeah and i felt great to be selected it just happened to be again at a point in my career too where i was hit about 24 years and yeah i just i knew i knew it was time for for me to retire but you know, but again, that decision to go up there to that unit was, you know, I can definitely trace that back to this one incident that happened and I was, you know, emotionally unintelligent and I, you know, flared up rage and was like, I'm done and, I, but, and went and did, did something else. Um, but again, wind up knowing it was, but I knew I couldn't take it back. There was no, you know, take back sometimes.
0: How do you check yourself now to at least minimize making those emotional decisions and really kind of thinking through it, you know, now being where you're at as opposed to back when you were about to get out, you know, six, seven years ago.
1: Yeah. Time. So you gotta be patient. You really uh and I know there's techniques, you know, count to three and stuff like that. I think it comes down to knowing uh not when to send an email, right? So right in my young days you might be typing up an email real quick and then hit enter. Now you might I might hand type it on my notes, you know, on my phone, and then reread it and like, do I want to send that note? Let's not even put it on the email. So it's a note. That's a key thing. Even when we talk about failures because that emotional decision wasn't a failure. I mean, it was. It turned out to be a success, but you learn from it, and I and that's what I did right, and that's what makes it successful. Is I learned from that, so I know now. Take the time, you know, and also the other thing too is bounce ideas off of other you know uh, mentors people that you trust right having that trusted circle type something up but don't hit send let someone read it real quick like and even if you're still hot hey can you read this real quick like i need you to read it now and let them read it and then you're like all right what do you think don't send it okay great i won't all right and then you can talk it through whereas back then again that decision that i made it was i mean it was a snap of a finger like nope you know and i made a decision
0: And that also speaks to like your own personal intelligence of who you kind of keep around as a mentors or almost like a personal advisory board, right? You're able to kind of say, when you say, hey, I need you to read this right now, and they can kind of see and hear that you're kind of off and you're kind of going down an emotional road. It kind of throws up a couple of flags and they're like, all right, let's kind of stop what I'm doing. Let's focus on, you know, what Dan needs and let's look into this a little bit more. I think that's super powerful.
1: It is, you know, it's the company you keep type of scenario. We have. A retired E-9, Chachi on board, who's our director of strategic partnerships. And Chachi was our uh, E-9 for tech piece. And so uh, I very much now that he's on board, right? And we have our relationship from our past. You know, I, I hit him up and he hits me up all the time to be able to 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 look at, you know, issues and say, what is this? How would you react? What should I do? But we, we're open enough. And this comes a little bit from the military, which I'm not sure in the civilian side, if you have or not, or people have or not, but it's, to be able to take the feedback like if i'm wrong so if i say hey Ray, read this email and he reads it he's like all right it's you you're the drama right and i have to be able to accept that if i ask someone to read it and i need their feedback if their feedback is you're the drama you're like okay well hit me with what i need to correct then and you have to be open enough about yourself to accept feedback
0: dan you're turning this into a master class cuz you keep going full circle right expectation <laughs> management Uh, when you have those people that you trust in agents, like you mentioned, they, you expect them to look out for not only your best interests, but making sure the organization, if they're inside your organization or outside is working properly. And if you are the problem at some point, they're not going to stop from saying, Hey, check yourself.
1: Yeah. You don't need friends to be yes, men. Yes. Women. You know, it's, if they're friends, that's what, yeah, you have to keep it real.
0: Dan, thank you so much for your time today. Before you go, I have one last question. Dan Horgan, how are you better today? than yesterday.
1: I am better today than I was yesterday because every day I do wake up and I'm thankful and I'm positive for the things and then the people in my life, beautiful wife, you know, four children, and then just all the friends that I have. And you can look back and you can say, there's so many woes, right? We'll make a joke. My leg is all busted up. I get it and I can be in anyone, you know, something happens to you and you could be so woeful, but that one busted leg is one thing compared to, I can, I can do a laundry list of the things that I'm thankful and positive for. So every day as, as I do that, it, it makes me better each day.
0: What does that thankfulness, gratitude, mindset piece look like? Do you write it out? Do you say it to yourself?
1: It's uh, to myself. I've read a lot that people can journal and writing it down. Um, and I do like to write, but I find out sometimes I end up being lazy and I don't write it down. Um, so it's more an internal check, right? Even when you're showering there, there's any time, right? I mean, you're in the shower, you're by yourself, you're not meditating, but it's a perfect time to be like, okay, checklist, got it. I love that.
0: Once attack P always attack P right. Going through the checklist. (laughs) Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Before we go though, where can people go to connect with you?
1: Yeah, I'm on two platforms. LinkedIn is obviously my uh, first preferred platform. So, you know, Dan Horgan on LinkedIn and then Instagram. So Dan underscore Horgan underscore is on Instagram. Those are two main places that uh, you can find me and hopefully connect.
0: And we'll make sure we link that in the show notes so you can connect with Dan, the man himself. Dan, again, thanks for coming on. And thanks for having our six. Thanks, Tom. Sixers, thank you for listening to another episode of the Got your Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass it along. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you leave us a review and give us as many stars as you think we warrant because we love what we do here at the Got your Six podcast. We're always adapting and evolving this podcast because of you, the Sixers. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. You'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday.